Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, thanking you for being with me. Got a good letter the other day that I thought was worth uh, sharing the answer. It's a good question. I wanted to share the answer with with uh, you because it is a question that comes up all the time. People, outstanding Christian communicators uh, like Lee Strobel, uh, the great New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, uh, the great apologist of the 20th century C.S. Lewis, uh, the great evangelical Protestant leader Chuck Colson, all of them very open to the Catholic faith in the sense that they exhibit no bigotry, uh, they show respect for many Catholic teachings. But the question often comes up, why don't they become Catholic? Why don't they come into full communion with the Catholic Church? By the way, I, I should mention that, that question was asked for many years of uh, former Lutheran pastor Richard John Newhouse, but uh, Richard did become a Catholic, in fact became Father Newhouse. So some people do uh, make their way uh, to the Catholic faith. Now, let me say, I, I'm not, th- these, these men that I've mentioned uh, are or have been friendly acquaintances uh, and brothers in Christ, and I've had many conversations with them, but I, I don't pretend to know their souls, so I, I'm not speaking as though I've got some special personal insight into each man's reasons. However, as a former evangelical pastor who respected the Catholic Church almost my entire Christian life before I returned to the Church, I think I understand what keeps people from coming back, because it took me 18 years. So first of all, I came back to the church for many reasons, but one of the chief reasons was I was convinced that Jesus intended his church to be visibly one, united, united in the truth, and that he had provided through apostolic succession and the papacy a way of maintaining that unity. But unity was vitally important to me. Now, when I looked around, it seemed to me the Catholic Church, and some might argue Eastern Orthodoxy, but I, I don't think that flies as clearly, that the Catholic Church really was the only Christian tradition that took that question of visible unity with the utmost seriousness and and said, this is a mark of the Church, visible oneness. So how then, and most of the men that I just mentioned would agree that Jesus wants his Church to be visibly one. But they would then say, yeah, but he also wants his church to be visibly holy, and he wants his church to be visibly loving and visibly witnessing. And all communities of Christians fall short in one area or the other. Uh, They might say, maybe my tradition or my denomination doesn't measure up in visible unity, but we think we're more committed to evangelism than Catholics. And by the way, Catholics claim visible unity, but we all know that within Catholicism, there are all kinds of factions that are fighting for influence and control. Uh, So the Catholic Church's unity is merely formal. Our commitment to evangelism and missions is fundamental to our identity and practice, and we think we do a better job than the Catholic Church. We lead more souls to Christ. So yeah, you got a point about visible unity, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't subordinate 
the positive things that my church or my tradition is doing. So I think that's the first thing. Um, They would say, yeah, we get the point about visible unity, but Jesus isn't getting his perfect will accomplished in holiness either. So I'm going to stay in the place where I think I can be most effective as a disciple of Jesus and attain uh, full spirituality. Again, I found that to be inadequate to keep me away from the Catholic Church, but I think many people believe it, good people believe it. Secondly, uh, there's a general acknowledgement of all these men who I've talked to that Protestant divisions are a problem, that division within the Church is a problem, and that it, it goes back to sin. But they would also say, look, the Catholic Church itself admits that it shares part of the blame for the divisions. Right in our decree on ecumenism, we admit, essentially, that there's, going back to the Reformation era, there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, So, fine, uh, the Catholic Church wants to shoulder some of the blame for the divisions, fine, I'll share some of it too. But then, thirdly, uh, there are Catholic dogmas I just don't believe. So you can't really expect me to come into full communion with the Catholic Church when I think that, whatever, I think they're wrong on Marian dogmas, for instance, right? Uh, And that's true. Uh, We can't tell somebody to become a Catholic when, in fact, they're in open disagreement about some of the things the Catholic Church teaches. So, for instance, uh, N.T. Wright, former Anglican bishop and arguably the, the most influential New Testament scholar, his work on the resurrection of the Son of God is considered the supreme effort on the part of a believing Christian to look at the historical and uh, documentary evidence for the resurrection. So when uh, N.T. Wright, or Tom Wright, as he likes to be called, wrote a book, I think it was called Surprised by Hope, he appeared scornful of purgatory. I was completely surprised that he would be scornful of purgatory. I think the logic uh, is there. It certainly is, given his understanding of salvation, purgatory is not incompatible with it, as far as I can see. In fact, his his work on St. Paul uh, has influenced large numbers of evangelical Protestants to reconsider the Catholic doctrine of justification by faith and to move away from the doctrine of justification by faith alone. So I was surprised when uh, N.T. Wright became scornful of purgatory. But he did. So what can you say? You can't say, well, gee, you know, can't you tweak that a bit so you can become Catholic? No. He's got he's to be committed to what he thinks is true. Another, another issue, which has, of course, been on our minds a lot— and that is the problem of perceived corruption and epidemic sexual misconduct. So I have a friend who believes what the Catholic Church teaches, believes that he should behave according to Catholic teaching, but he's reluctant to belong because of, well, it's so screwed up, he would say. So first of all, he believes Secondly, he behaves. Thirdly, he doesn't want to belong because he's not sure as a father that he wants to, you know, he, I think, again, I don't believe this is a good reason, but I can understand it. He doesn't want to risk his family 
to the kind of pastoral oversight that he thinks has been common within American Catholicism. So that's another reason people stay away. Uh, They stay away because uh, though they buy the visible oneness of the church and its importance, they also think that Jesus' will for his church is not perfectly fulfilled in other areas either. And so why do I need to become a Catholic in, in this one, because of this one thing, visible oneness? Um, they also have doctrines they disbelieve. They just don't buy it. Uh, and they're not willing to just accept church authority. Uh, thirdly is, the, is this question of uh, perceived corruption. And lastly, sometimes it is a matter of maybe unconscious personal prejudice. Now, C.S. Lewis is often pointed to as an example of this. I don't know if this is true or not. Joseph Pierce has written a great book on C.S. Lewis and the Catholic Church. Christopher Derrick, uh, from an earlier generation, had done so. And others have asked this question about Lewis. Why didn't he become a Catholic? He was the most effective Catholic, uh, Christian apologist of the 20th century, I think we can say. And he actually believed a number of Catholic doctrines. He believed in purgatory. He had a fairly Catholic understanding of justification by faith. He did believe in the real presence, I don't think according to the formula of transubstantiation, but he did have a very high view of the Eucharist. Uh, So why didn't he become a Catholic? Well, many people, including his friend Tolkien, thought that his heart had still too much of Belfast, Ireland in it, that he had been raised in a a fairly anti-Catholic environment as a kid, and that that he never could entirely shake it. Christopher Derrick, I think, maintained this position. I'm not so sure about that uh, myself. Uh, I tend to lean in the direction that Lewis didn't become Catholic because he felt God had a particular call on his life, and he was the exponent of so-called mere Christianity. That's what rendered him so effective as an apologist. And perhaps he thought that um, given the success that he had had uh, in his ministry, that it would be a mistake to become so strictly identified with uh, an authoritative teaching tradition like the Catholic faith. Again, not a reason I would buy myself, but I think that's maybe one of the reasons for it. So there are a number of reasons that uh, committed Christians don't become Catholic. I think it's incumbent upon us who have come into full communion with the Catholic Church to keep the conversation going and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. Uh, Be prepared. Uh, Again, try to get inside, get behind the eyes of the person you're talking to. So again, one, I, I think even though they might believe that Jesus intended visible unity for his church, They also know he intended visible holiness, visible love, visible witnessing. And they don't think the Catholic Church does as good a job on some of these other areas as they do on the question of visible unity. Secondly, uh, they are just some dogmas they don't believe. It's fairly common to hear people say it, it took years to overcome their ignorance and their misunderstanding of the Marian dogmas. It certainly was true in my case. It took years. Uh, So there may be just a dogmatic difference, and you can't expect people to become Catholic, uh, you know, in in open disagreement. Uh, Thirdly, 
there's the the uh, issue of uh, perceived corruption and uh, misconduct and fears, warranted or not warranted, that uh, I don't want to bring my family into a situation in which this is going to be an issue. It's, I don't even want to talk about it uh, with my kids, never mind have them wondering if this priest is a good guy or not. And again, you you may not buy that, but the point is other people do. And then there is the question of unconscious prejudice. I'm Al Cresting.